0: please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give.
1: Open your Bible. I forgot my water. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 4. Sorry, I cracked myself up there. That wasn't planned. It's kind of dark in here. Is there any more lights? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, how many of you today are here with a procrastinator? You're here with the procrastinator. All right, not as many as I thought. How many of you can't get said procrastinator to take responsibility or admit of being a procrastinator? Right? A wise man once said getting a procrastinator to admit it is like getting a woman to admit that she's wrong. Not going to happen. The procrastinator tweeted, The only way I wouldn't procrastinate is if every hour one of my friends was killed until I finished my task. But even then, I'd be like, Which friend? Yeah. Okay, today is not necessarily about procrastination. Today is uh, primarily about the rapture and the second coming, about the day of the Lord. Now, the last time I preached from Daniel, From passages throughout the New Testament, especially Revelation, it took me 24 weeks, and I'm going to try to make it today in a couple of hours. So I would appreciate your attent. I'm not kidding. I would appreciate your attentiveness today. Uh, We're going to look at the Word of God in just a few minutes in 1 Thessalonians, and there will be, by way of application, uh, something for the um, something for the procrastinator. As we finish 2018 in a few hours and uh, head into 2019, what happens to Christians who die? What happens to Christians who die? The Bible uh, seems to, on the surface, talk about things like being asleep, uh, obviously death. It talks about, uh, some would consider Abraham's bosom uh, in the afterlife, paradise, heaven, the streets of gold, a mansion, Uh, my Father's house on which I have a room, uh, the throne of God, and obviously, uh, we know a a place prepared by Jesus. Another question, what happens uh, to Christians who do not die? Christians who will not die before the the end times, before the unfolding. The Scripture speaks of the rapture of the church. I don't know how how many of you have heard of the rapture or have heard of Daniel's 70th week, or you've heard of the false peace or the tribulation or the Antichrist. No, she is not Hillary Clinton, as some of you wrongly assume. The beast, the dragon, the two witnesses, the 144,000 evangelists, the birth pangs, the scroll and the opening thereof, the seal judgments, the day of the Lord, the one who was called faithful and true riding on the white horse, the battle of Armageddon, the binding of Satan, the millennial kingdom, the new heaven, and the new earth. Great crowd here, by the way. Thank, thank you for being here today. Most of you knew that the pastor was going to be on a little staycation this week and, and, um, and Paxton, their families. Thank you for being here. Actually, I only saw one person who saw me with the mic strapped on who turned and left, so I consider that a victory uh, for today. But, but maybe you've heard of some of those phrases and some of those and some of those uh, passages and some of those chapters. But in a group this size, and thanks for being here, there's probably some of you who have not yet studied those places in Scripture. How many of you would say you pretty well have, and I would like for everybody, introverts included, to pay attention, and how many of you by the raising of your hand would say, I pretty much have almost every element of the Christmas story pretty well committed to memory. Could I see your hands? It's all of you, raise your hands, okay? Not by a show of hands, but unfortunately, even though in the Word of God from beginning to end, there is over twice as many passages of Scripture about the Lord's second coming and about the end times, most Christians know very, very little, even though the amount of Scripture is over twofold that of His first coming. We need to spend more time, and today's just an introduction and an application of the fact that we need to spend more time in the Word of God, in the Old and the New Testament, dealing, yes, with His first coming, but knowing and waiting in a sense of anticipation and in a sense of readiness for the rapture and for the day of the Lord and for the second coming of the Lord. We need to be ready. Why? Because listen, if you don't get anything else, get this today. If Christians are not ready, if Christians are not anticipating the Lord and rapturing His church in His second coming, if we are not going to be ready, does a lost world have a chance of being ready? We're their only hope. We are plan A for the gospel. Contrary to stuff on the internet, Mary is not going to put a design in the clouds. God is not going to write some scripture with some cows in a pasture. He's only going to use the church to lead a lost and dying world to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if we are not ready for the rapture, and if we are not ready for the day of the Lord and the second coming, and preparing, helping to prepare, yes, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's no way people are going to get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws him. But the only way he is going to draw is if you and I go and fulfill the great commission and if we're ready ourselves for the rapture and for the second coming. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get that red-faced. I love eschatology. I love the study. That's the study of end times. I started studying end times theology when I was in high school. I, I was so convinced that Jesus was coming back within the 10 years after I graduated from high school that my prophecy in my yearbook is this. In 10 years or less, I will be partying in heaven while most of you are here on earth going through the seven years of tribulation, in quotes, hell on earth, good luck, Michael Carter. <laughs> I still don't have much of the gift of mercy that Tommy has in abundance. I didn't have any, I really didn't have any, uh, any then. And my, 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 One of my best friends, Brad Prudett, put C. Carter's prophecy, that's what he, he put in there. And then at graduation, we were in an ensemble and we sang the Carpenters classic, We've Only Just Begun, yeah. That was exciting. Those were exciting days. Listen, unfortunately, some people get so caught up in the study of eschatology of end times that they neglect the basic principles of spiritual growth and evangelism that the second coming is, is there to motivate us towards. It's designed to motivate us to be ready. Whether we take the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 and we look at it and we see those that had the oil and, and had the little uh, f- a cloth um, uh, the fabric on the end of their torch, and the oil continued to be dipped every 15 minutes, and their torches were ready for the bridegroom to call them. Or, or, or we understand the five that weren't ready, and we, we look at what that means by way of application. Uh, again, it was just a simple earthly story with a profound heavenly meaning. Or we, we start in the book of Daniel, and we look at all that happened in the near prophecy in the old, in the old ancient world, and we look at what has what unfolded from the near to that which was far and is still out in the future, whether we take apart a simple text like we'll look at today in First Thessalonians 4 and 5, or we do an incredibly depth in-depth study of the book of Revelation, we need to recognize that the Word of God is here on this subject, twice as much as the first coming, of which most all of us have said that we almost have memorized His first coming, twice as much in Scripture about the second coming, and yet very few of us are motivated enough to study it and to live in such a way as if he could come back tomorrow. If you're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as I encouraged you earlier, we're going to start with verse 18. We're going to start with verse 18. The two passages that we'll look at are here primarily to encourage us and to comfort us and to give us confidence, not increase, our prophetic speculations. Let me say it again. Look at verse 18. Therefore, the Apostle Paul said, encourage each other with these words. In fact, we'll go ahead and look at it now. Look further down in chapter 5 and verse 11. Uh, And that's later from the passage we'll look at in a minute about the day of the Lord. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. These scriptures and all of the detailed scriptures they're out there about the rapture and the day of the Lord and the second coming and the battle of Armageddon and all of that to the very end with the new heaven and the new earth. By the way, just a little side note here. I, I love this part. The old heaven and the old earth, do you know how they're going to pass away before the new heaven and the new earth explode into existence? The glory of God in its fullness is going to be revealed. Revealed. And this literal earth and this literal universe and the literal heavens that now exist after the rapture and the day of the Lord and the the millennial kingdom and the final binding of Satan into the abyss, after all that, when the full glory of the Lord is revealed unfettered in our current world, this earth and this universe and all that is in existence right now is going to spontaneously combust at the presence of the glory of God. And out of that glory, he's gonna usher in the new heaven and the new earth. All of that. And some of you are going, I've never heard that before. My head is exploding. It's in Scripture. It's there to be studied. Now don't go just Google it because you're going to get a bunch of Jehovah's Witness stuff at the top of the Google list, all right? Don't just start clicking on all kinds of junk out there when, you, when you're looking for scriptural stuff. You need to go to the Word of God and then to godly, exegetical, biblical commentary and then back to the Word of God not out there on the internet. Can I get an amen there? All right. These are given, verses 11 and chapter, excuse me, 18 and chapter 4 and verses 11 and chapter 5 to encourage us, to comfort us, to give us confidence. Well, let's look at the text. First Thessalonians 4 We'll pick up in verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. Nothing's more dangerous than an ignorant person who doesn't know it, right? You know, I'm not a brain surgeon, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. There's nothing more dangerous, they say, than an ignorant person who doesn't know it. And Paul just says right out of the box there, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. What about the Apostle Paul? Well, about those who fall asleep And he says, I don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He says, I'm here to correct your ignorance. You see, the Thessalonians probably thought that the rapture had already happened. I'll point to something in just a second. They probably thought the rapture of the church had already happened, and the day of the Lord was about to be unfolded upon them. They probably thought that. Paul's correcting that. They were worried, erroneously, because it's never taught in Scripture, that their brothers and sisters who got saved and then died were in some, some strange, you know, neoclassical Greek sort of soul sleep. And the Scripture does not teach that. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, and I don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Verse 14. Notice in 13, by the way. You hear this sometimes in a, in a funeral service. We don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. It doesn't say we don't grieve as Christians, does it? It doesn't say when we lose a loved one or a friend who's very close to us that our hearts don't break. It doesn't say that. It just says that we don't grieve like lost people. We don't grieve like pagans who don't have any hope in the midst of their grieving. Have you heard the horrible Baptist interpretation uh, that God in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 will not let you go through more than you can bear? And that means God's not gonna let you suffer more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that? It's terrible. I've been a Baptist since nine months before November 29th, 1966. I had a horrible drug problem from the time I was seven. My parents drugged me to church every time the doors were open, all right? And I'm here to tell you Baptists and maybe some other folks have propagated an erroneous interpretation of 1 Corinthians 10 13 about you being suffering more than you can handle. The text is about temptation, and with the temptation, he will provide a way out. He's not going to let you be tempted more than you can handle and and take the way of temptation out. But the suffering many times will be way more than you can handle. But can I tell you something this morning? It's never more than he can handle. And we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Look back at the text. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The rapture, and look at verse 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In verses 14 and 15, listen. He's saying this. The rapture of the church is based upon the same power that paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. The same power that made him who had no sin to become sin, that same power that made you and I therefore then to become the righteousness of God, that same power that resurrected him from the grave, the same power that caused him to ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father, that same power is the power, the power and the word of the Lord that will rapture his church in his timing. It's the same power. Verse 15, notice there I've read as well. He says, we... Who are left in the NIV? I don't know what your translation says. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive. Now it's always important to pay attention to the grammar in the text and scripture, but did you notice there that Paul includes himself in that pronoun we? The Apostle Paul believed that the Lord Jesus was going to come back and rapture his church in his lifetime. Now, how many of you say, What a, what a fool? That obviously didn't happen. What, what a moron the Apostle Paul was. I wouldn't recommend that. He was just a man like you and, our, you and I are, but <clears throat> he wrote 13 books inspired of God with the breath of God in the New Testament, and you can say what you want to, but he's a different kind of man than I am. I don't know about you. Why, it, why was it okay for him to believe that the rapture was going to happen in his lifetime, the day of the Lord, and then it didn't come true? Do you remember where we started when my face got so much redder at the beginning? It caused him to live in such a way that he was ready at any moment. He didn't have anything undone with his family members. He didn't have anything undone with his church family. He He didn't have anything undone in his obedience to the task at which God had called him. His hand was to the plow, and he was ready, and he wanted, and he anticipated. And like many other scriptural authors, he no doubt prayed, Lord Jesus, even so, come quickly, And yet God still didn't do it, but He says we. I want you to catch that. We who are still alive. Verse 15. He believed the rapture would come in his lifetime. Look at verse 16. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. Here's how it's going to happen, the rapture. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. That's first. Secondly, with a loud command. Probably that loud command has kind of come from the voice of of an archangel, it says the in the N-I-V, but it's an there, A-N, from an archangel. The only one we know by name is Michael, by the way. But there were probably some other archangels. But a, the voice of an archangel with the trumpet call of God. Now, I don't know if you love live music. Any, any of you would say I love live music? I, I do, I love live music of, of most every genre. There are a few that, that, you know, that I don't really like live, but most every genre of live music, I, I enjoy it. I love a good good jazz band in the proper part of New Orleans, not in the ill-repute section of New Orleans. I love a good jazz band with a good trumpeter, don't you? What is the trumpet call of God going to sound like? There are other places it may be Gabriel that Scripture indicates, but this says the trumpet call of God. Whether it's Gabriel or or God himself blasting that trumpet, notice what it's going to lead to. Verse 16 in the middle. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, underline caught up in your text, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Listen, we get the word rapture. If you, were to, if you, if you have an electronic Bible, and I recommend the NIV Study Bible and its app, if you have an iPad. I'm not sure if it's out there in some of the other devices, but it's a great, it's a, it's a great uh, app, NIV Study Bible app. You can get all kinds of translations for very little money, and you can f- flip back and forth, and you can search by keyword. And if you remember something like from vac- Vacation Bible School, maybe in the King James, you can bounce to King James if it's not showing up in NIV, and you can search stuff and, and find it that way, and then bounce over to a new, a new living translation, a new modern translation. You can grab a paraphrase, uh, that's out there, like the Living Bible, or like what's going on from Louis Giglio's organization, the Passion, uh, paraphrase. Um, but you're not, if you search rapture, you're not going to find it in any translation. It comes, it comes from the Greek word harpazo, from which the Latin takes sort of a Latin transliteration, and they get rapture. But it literally means to be caught up, to meet the Lord in the air. So here's what's going to happen. The Lord Jesus is going to come back the, with a shout, Uh, the archangel, the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. What if they died a long time ago? How's God going to reassemble? How's God going to reassemble from the ashes and from the dust, the dead that have gone before us who were saved? What if they were cremated? How's he going to take what very little is left in cremation, even less than you know, is left uh, at a gravesite, how is he going to assemble that into a glorified body? Can I give you some confidence, some encouragement, some hope here this morning that we started with? God created light and didn't create the sun and the stars for a few more days, and yet his glory gave off light in the universe. He's not going to have any problem with the science of raising the dead in Christ to a glorified body, okay? Shake your heads. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay going to be all right. And those of us who are left, it says, we'll join those. They, we don't get in their way of the dead in Christ who've gone before, but we will join them in the air and meet the Lord and he's going to take us on to glory in our glorified bodies. Now, there may be some difference down the road in that ultimate new heaven and new earth and the millennial kingdom and all that, but, but that, that's for another day. Therefore, encourage each other. Verse 18 with these words. That's the rapture of the church. Look, if you will, look, if you will, in verses 1 through 3 and 1 Thessalonians 5, I want you to see the day of the Lord. There's a difference in the day of the Lord. Verse 1 in chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, chronos and kairos, it says. Now, about chronos and kairos, times and dates, dates and times, times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, is this about us? You no, know, chapter 4, he told the believers in Thessalonica, I will rapture you out. I will, you'll be caught up. You'll be caught up with me in the air. This is for the lost who are on the earth. This is for the lost who are on the earth. Now, no one knows the kairos and the kronos, the kronos and the kairos. Nobody knows the dates and times, the days and times. Not even what's his name, Jonathan Kahn, is that it, the harbinger guy? He doesn't know. The Lord Jesus didn't know in his flesh on this earth. The apostle Paul didn't know. Paul didn't even need to address it because we're to live in such a way that he's going to come back like a thief in the night and it's tomorrow. Now, you, I'm not trying to make you mad. I kind of am. But I'm not trying to make you mad. You can go read any stuff out there you want outside of Scripture. This is the United States of America. But you better start and finish with the Word of God, or you're going to get messed up in some weird goofiness out there. And I've read all the weird goofiness, almost all of it. We can talk through it if you want to. But if it doesn't start and finish with the Word of God, it's rubbish. We don't need to spend our time on it. No one knows the Kronos and the Kairos. So verses 2 and 3, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The 70th week of Daniel, if you were to go back to the book of Daniel, the 70th week of Daniel, and primarily Revelation chapters 6 through 18, describe how this is going to unfold. There was only one who was worthy, the Apostle John says, as the Lord looked, lets him look into eschatology in into times. There's only one who was worthy to open the scroll and let it out. And when the scroll is open and we read about the seals that are broken and we read about the, 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 the seal judgments, some bold judgments, and the trumpets of the angels that unleash, unleash the judgments. And we read about all that in general in Daniel, but also specifically in the book of Revelation, verses 16 through 18. The church is not there. This is unfolding on the ungodly on the earth who have been given Him and His Holy Spirit the finger for their entire lives as individuals and in the systems of the world. And it's going to unfold and it's going to be a mess. The Antichrist, whoever that's it, that is. And by the way, you don't have to spend a lot of time worrying about who that is. You know by way of history who the number one Antichrist was? I mean, it looked, he looked exact to the, to the theologians of Scripture. Those that knew intimately the Hebrew and the Greek from cover to cover. He looked exactly like the Antichrist. There's, look, by way of example, there's this many books, comparatively speaking, my little stack here, about every other potential antichrist in the history of those goofy theologians that think they need to try to figure it out. There's this many books written about every single antichrist except the one I'm about to name. And the other stack is from the concrete to here, and those are all about Hitler. And he looked like the perfect example of the antichrist as he was rebuilding Germany, was building all that up. And some was looking at a historical judgment on Israel, the people of God, and they put all this here and there and here and there. Listen, who knows who it's going to be? It obviously wasn't Hitler. He's not, I got news for you. He's not hanging out on an island with Elvis. Okay, he's not there. It's not there regardless of what the magazines at the grocery store say. Do they still have those magazines up front? I don't really go to the grocery store that often. I'm not sure. When I was a kid, you remember those magazines up front that had all that junk on there? But whoever it is, the Antichrist will make... A false peace with Israel at the beginning of the tribulation as we're raptured out. He will then make a false peace with Israel. Three and a half years into it, as it's unfolding, he's going to break that peace. God's Israel is probably going to run out to the hill country of Ephraim, and God somehow, whether fire or pillar of cloud or anything he did in the Old Testament or some different way, maybe they're just not going to know, he's going to protect his redeemed Israel who put their faith and trust in Jesus in those seven years, and they're going to be safe out in the hill country of Ephraim at that three-and-a-half-year point to the end. The scroll is going to be opened. The terrible judgments of God will come upon the wicked. The angels trumpets the plagues of the bowl judgments. Listen, at the end of the seven years of tribulation, I'm almost done, God will send Jesus on a white horse, and the sword of his mouth will slay the multitude of the wicked gathered in the valley of Megiddo. Listen, the armies of the world that think they've won, even during the mess of, of the judgments of, on the wicked in the day of the Lord in the seven years of tribulation. They will gather against him in the valley of Megiddo, and the Lord Jesus will ride on a white horse. And the Scripture says that he's going to have robes, and they're going to be blood-stained robes. And with the Lord Jesus on that white horse, we're going to accompany him. There's going to be four divisions of godly soldiers. There's going to be the raptured church. There's going to be those saved during the tribulation. There's going to be the saints of the Old Testament, and there's going to be the angels of God. Now, why, if he has the sword of his mouth and the blood on his robes proves something, does he need us mounted up with him when he comes to the Valley of Megiddo? We're going to be the largest gathering of cheerleaders ever assembled in history. The Bible says that the sword of his mouth, take your word if you have your scripture, whether it's an iPad or your phone or an actual paper copy, the word of his mouth is going to literally slay them to the point that it's just carnage. And the Scripture says the birds of the air will feast upon the wicked on that day. And you and I are there just to be a choir of cheerleaders to sing the praises of Him who was worthy to open the scroll and to ride the horse and to bring the final destruction on the wicked on the day of the Lord. Now some people asked, actually a in a, in a class I was in in seminary, he said, why in the world does the Lord Jesus prof have blood-spattered robes on? Why does John describe it this way if the battle hasn't even been fought yet? This is what my professor said. He said, Listen, man, this battle is not going to be the Lord Jesus' first battle, but it's going to be his last battle. Amen. It's not his first battle. He waged the battle on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins when you couldn't pay for your sins. You and I are sinners and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, the one who went to the cross of Calvary in perfection and took our sins upon Him and paid for our sins in full and said, it is finished, it is paid in full, and He went to the grave and He was resurrected in three days. He's the same one who's going to bring all this to fruition, and it's not going to be His first battle in the ghetto, but it's going to be His last. Take comfort and encouragement from these things, the Word of God said. Let me give you some application as well. Let me give you some application as well. By the way, if you want some detail, but not so much that it makes your head spin, I'd love to send you a Word file that I've compiled. If you'll just let me know, just reach out to me. I'd love to send you a scriptural and commentary Word file, and you can just go through the Scriptures yourself uh, on all of these things that were summarized uh, today. Just email me, text me, let me know. If you tell me verbally, I'm going to forget. So email or text and I'll send you that Word file if you would like. And we can have just great in-depth discussion uh, if you want to. Let me give you some applications for a brief study of the rapture and the day of the Lord. Number one is this. Regardless of whether or not you agree with my scriptural interpretation of the end times, regardless of whether or not you, you, you agree with me, that's okay. But you better be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You better be ready, For if you're a Christian, for his rapture. You better be ready that the people that you love around you uh, in your family in your neighborhood and at work, that they're ready. That you've given them a chance. You've heeded Ezekiel's words in 33 when the, God said through Ezekiel, if I tell you to warn a man, Ezekiel, you better do it, or his blood is on your head. He said, Ezekiel, by the way, if I tell you to warn him and you do warn him, and he doesn't repent, his blood is on his own head. You better be ready for the second coming. He will come like a thief in the night. And if you're a Christian, don't, listen, don't leave stuff hanging out there with the people you love. I was a coach at River Road for a year and then I realized coaches are going to be broke forever. And so I just, you know, I coached and taught for a year and then I pastored the church out there. A lot of people knew me as Coach Carter, not Pastor Mike at the church. I must have done 100 weddings and close to 100 funerals in the six and a half years I was there. I don't know how many people called me from hospice. Coach Carter, you've got to get down here. My grandpa's done. My grandma's done. Coach Carter, my, my, my grandpa's not going to have surgery. He's going to die. Can you go by and see him? And I did. went by and saw all those people. They didn't want me to go by and just you know sing lullabies to them and read them poetry and that kind of stuff. They wanted me to go by and share the gospel with them. And you and I can faithfully do that, we ought to do that. But Christians, don't don't leave stuff hanging out there with your loved ones. You know how many people that I've had to take by the hands and look in the eye and say, I know you guys were fighting over the last few weeks, but I want to tell you that your daddy loved you. I've done that way too many times. Don't leave that junk out there. Well, you don't know what they did to me all those years ago. Who cares? Be reconciled to your brother. We better be ready for the second coming. Listen, here's another idea. Again, I love music. You ever heard of Love and Theft, the country group? Listen to this line from this song. I've only heard it once or twice. The guy sings, I know I'm going to heaven, but I can't go with me like this. I need to pull myself together before then, and no, I ain't afraid of dying, but what scares me to death is meeting Jesus with whiskey on my breath. We better live in such a way that He can come back and get us. Where do you want to be when He comes back to get you? Just picking your nose on the couch, binge-watching Netflix? Well, that'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Or Jesus, I kind of stink. I've been here for a couple days. You know, this show's not that good. I'm going to give it 17 more episodes, but then I'm going to make up my mind finally. The second application is this. The second is sap- this. You cannot cram for the parts of your life that are really important. Your life cannot be lived like one big final exams week. Listen, this doesn't have much with what we do today, but I just want to put it in your, eye, your mind as you finish this year. Your health and your retirement and your relationships, you cannot wait until you retire to get your health and your retirement savings in order and your relationships in order. You can't wait till you're in hospice to get things in order. The stuff that really counts takes decades to do right. It takes a long time. You can't cram for the parts of your life that are really important. The third is this, and I'll finish. Stop saying I'll get, on, I'll get started on how I need to be living next week. Stop saying I, I, I'm going to start living for the Lord like I need to next week. I'm going I'm to get healthy. You know, I'm going to get healthy after Christmas. I, 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 after the first of the year, I'm, boy, I'm going to make some goals and set some goals and start living way God wants me to live. I'm blood bought in the name of Jesus. Amen. And boy, you know, after Valentine's Day, I'm going to start living like I ought to be living. I'm going to start loving my wife Valentine's Day like I ought to be loving her. Start spe- as soon as spring break gets here, I'm going to start living with my kids and taking care of my kids. You know, you know uh, when spring break's over, I, you know, there's a lot to happen then. Boy, I think at Easter, I'm going to start at Easter. Not a better day than resurrecting Sunday to start living my life the way God intends me, for me to live. But, well, you know, maybe after Mother's Day, Mom will motivate me. Boy, I'll get right with God, and I'll get my health right, and I'll start to make decisions better at work and with my money. You know, I I think probably after vacation, I'll start to eat right and exercise. I'll probably start to do that. You know, July 4th, I drink a lot of beer on July 4th. You know, after July 4th, I'm probably going to start getting my life right, you know. As soon as summer's over you know, and I can hide this physique and nobody really knows the days are shorter. Boy, I'll just start making better decisions and working harder at work and setting some better goals and living the way that I should. You know, probably after Labor Day, you can't wear white and start living your life the way you should. So probably after Labor Day, I'll start to live my life right. No, in fact, I think, in fact, I think after the holidays, after the holidays, I'll probably start eating right I'll probably start living right. I'll probably quit being a procrastinator and quit cramming after Thanksgiving. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm just waiting for the day after Thanksgiving to get my life together and get my life right and start living for Jesus. I'll get healthy. I'll get my relationships right. I'll start saving for retirement one of these days. One of these days. Let's pray together. Father, today is the day of salvation. And according to Scripture, nothing is more awesome and fearful and overwhelming than the presence of God in the face of a lost sinner. So God, if there's someone here today who's scared of dying, I don't care. I'm glad that you scared them to death so that they would be willing to reach out to the delivering, delivering, fear-delivering, sin-delivering love of Jesus at the cross of Calvary. God, if there's somebody here today that's never trusted you as Savior, Maybe they prayed a prayer and they got dunked in a baptistry, but if they are not sure that if they died, they'd go to heaven. Today can be the day that the Holy Spirit draws and confirms in their heart that they're the child of God if they would just repent. And, Father, there's some believers here today. We may be real good at procrastinating on work projects or garage projects, we may be real good at procrastinating in our relationships or our finances. But God, thank you today that there's no procrastinators who are ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I pray that every believer at the sound of my voice, that we once again would have a teenage-like fire and passion for the things of God, for the lost in the world, and for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we begin to live and speak in such a way that we have the confidence of the Apostle Paul who said we who are left will be caught up. Be raptured with the Lord, and so will we be with the Lord forever. God, I know these scriptures can be a little overwhelming, but thank you that according to Revelation, we can be blessed just by reading them. And Father, you can encourage us and bring us comfort and give us confidence that you just said in John, if you go and prepare a place for us, you will come back and get us that we also may be where you are. Even so, Lord Jesus come quickly. In Jesus' name, I pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.